My name is Robert Martin, and I run a Twitter fan page called HQ Trivia Fans. Robert Martin is what you might call an HQ influencer. Shortly after the game launched in 2017, he created an HQ fan account on Twitter. A bunch of HQDs began following it, and his audience grew to almost 17,000 people. Pretty soon, he became the default source of information for the latest news about the game. HQ employees followed him and would tip him off about future updates. Russ even once arranged a call with him to advise against being too publicly critical of HQ. He was kind of like cold and just questions about like what I was doing with the brand and like very protective of the brand still, even on the phone with me. Like I remember he said something like, if you ever have a problem with something we're doing or you have an issue or you're really upset about something, I really hope you'll talk to me before you tweet about it. But aside from occasional complaints about confusing questions or glitching, the whole reason Robert started the account was to cheer on the thing he loved. It was like just a perfect mesh of like entertainment and game. Robert's attitude began to change around the spring of 2019. From the inside, HQ trivia was more chaotic than ever. Of course, the staff was still grappling with the fact that Colin was gone. But also, an office mutiny was launched and shut down within the span of two months. The company had recently gone through its very first round of layoffs. And now its remaining employees waited nervously as the search for a new replacement CEO began. In the meantime, they were being managed by a new executive committee made up of Russ and the heads of production and engineering. And perhaps most importantly to fans like Robert, HQ Trivia's star host, Scott Rogowski, had recently left the company. Pretty soon, Robert's role in running the HQ Trivia fan account took on a more cynical tone. Once Scott left, like, that was kind of like a final straw for me in terms of like being like a super fan. The like conditions around how he left and like he didn't like get a proper goodbye show. I didn't feel like HQ really properly addressed like why their like face of the show is now gone. And once I kind of learned more about it, it just seemed really like, I don't know, kind of like shitty how they went about it. His complaints about HQ Trivia didn't stop at the loss of his favorite host. He was hearing more and more about players who wanted to cash out their winnings, but for a variety of reasons, couldn't. Which was actually a persistent issue that has left the company with an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. And he noticed that the experience of playing HQ, this exhilarating thing that inspired him to fandom and helped him build such a huge following in the first place, was slowly but surely being cheapened. First, the jackpots were dwindling. Cash prizes were like not always the same. Like it used to be the same amount at the same time every day. And like they were like offering lower prizes. Then HQ premiered a new feature where you could pay for points to reach a certain level and then skip questions. Now like players who are more willing to like throw down money on this app are going to have a better time, better chance winning than the rest of us. After that, HQ began handing out something it called coins in lieu of money altogether. That, to me, I was like, wow, are they, like, running out of money or something? Like, why are they not giving away cash anymore? That was a big part of why a lot of people got into the game in the first place. And the community, like, hated that. And and there was no good, like, messaging from HQ around why they're not doing cash prizes anymore. And, like, I think everybody just immediately jumped to, you're running out of money or there's something wrong. In Robert's mind, HQ was now an unrecognizable version of a game he once enjoyed. One that was optimized to encourage players to spend as much money as possible, all while the actual cash returns it offered shrunk. It all felt a little unfair, like the game was rigged. Now, like with this kind of pay-to-win structure, especially with a game where you're winning money, 
I don't know. It, it really like rubbed me the wrong way. Scott's departure, plus all these changes, turned fans against the company. And at a certain point, Robert traded his role as cheerleader for that of watchdog. Just like, you're on notice, HQ. Like, you used to be so great, and now you're, like, not doing amazing things to your community. I'm Melissa Bereznak. This is Boom Bust, the rise and fall of HQ Trivia. That new batch of updates altered what it was like to play HQ Trivia. But zooming out a little, it also indicated a shift in strategy for the company. Purchase incentives that help you level up, for instance, coins, are what those in the app world call microtransactions. Every frivolous smartphone game you've ever come across is littered with them. And typically, the majority of revenue for those games comes from a small but dedicated group of big spenders, or what the game industry refers to as whales. HQ, an app that once declared it would be the future of television, was now following the lead of a game like Candy Crush. Given the fact that part of HQ's draw was the prospect of winning real money, these changes undercut the game's purpose. Once upon a time, HQ had been flush with investor cash and passed that cash on to its users as a way to grow its audience. But now that the company's runway was drying up and it needed to answer to those same investors, it was squeezing its most loyal fans for all they could spare. The very premise of HQ Trivia, that you could play it and end up rich, was now reversed. If we think about HQ as a digital media company, this trajectory is depressingly familiar. In the span of my career as a journalist, I've watched countless publications launch with big budgets, considerable talent, and lofty branding, only to slim down once they realize they can't compete with major social networks that are designed to optimize user engagement. On the flip side, so many of the respected legacy media entities I grew up with, like Newsweek or Sports Illustrated, have been sold off, stripped of all the resources that made them good in the first place, and passed around between profiteering financial firms. When it came to actually working at HQ, the company's diminished audience and returns meant that their once idyllic startup culture was becoming more dystopian by the day. Employees began to peel off to the point where it was routine to see an email with the subject line, moving on every couple of weeks. When their marketing manager left in May of 2019, a guy named Tyler Bradley was hired to replace him and work remotely from the West Coast. He thought that from the outside, it seemed like a relatively normal startup that had had some unfortunate, maybe even exaggerated press coverage. It was only after he flew out to New York for two weeks to get the lay of the land that its dysfunction became clear. So my first day essentially was like, I just went in, didn't know how to get up to the building that was like in Soho. Like nobody really told me. So I just like showed up and like was pressing a bunch of buttons and then eventually got into an elevator, but then didn't have a key card. So then I was like, ended up on like the let go floor, like that company where you can like sell stuff, I think. And was like, this doesn't seem right. Their HR director finally retrieved him. After grabbing a plate from the breakfast spread they had out for the staff that day, he went through a little onboarding presentation with HR. When he finally made it back to his desk, he scheduled a few one-on-one meetings to get to know his coworkers better. And that's kind of when I started to realize like maybe things were a little weird, more weird than I was actually led to believe. 
like every one-on-one I had with different people, there were people that like definitely were drinking the Kool-Aid and then there were people like, um, we're really happy you're here and think you're great, but like in like this is gonna be fun, but like just a warning, like we can talk like more about it, but like it's kind of like a shit show basically. This was not exactly what Tyler wanted to hear. He'd just taken this job. He wanted it to work out. And he was actually enjoying the creative freedom it allowed him to have. He could tell people were worried about where the company was headed. He wondered if he should be, too. It definitely seemed like the vibe was very drained. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, we're super excited about these new features. And everybody's like, when the Q&A section rolled around, it was like, hey, what's going on like with the CEO search? And also, like, do we have funding? Like, Those were really all the things people cared about. Not long after that, he was sucked into the company's signature chaos. One day I was sitting on the couch and like logged on for work. And I saw that like HG Words had tweeted something about we're going subscription-based. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I was like, oh my God, we've been hacked. I was like, also, why would somebody want to hack the HQ Words account? That just makes no sense. It has 20,000 followers. The tweet cited a $9.99 monthly price, which, for reference, is a dollar more than Netflix charges for its basic subscription. It sent Tyler into a panic. He knew securing a more stable revenue stream was top of mind for the company, but he hadn't heard anything about making one of its shows subscription-based. He immediately brought the tweet up to Nick Gallo, one of the members of the executive committee. Basically, I like freaked out, like reached out to Nick. I was like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, doesn't respond. And then I sent it to Russ. I'm like, hey, did you send this? I don't know who sent this. Like, so essentially, I was waiting on Slack for like what felt like an hour, but it was maybe like 10 minutes. And Nick responds, he was like, oh God. He was like, okay, yeah, it was Russ. He was like, we literally just sat in a meeting and talked about this potentially being an idea. And Russ, I guess, right after that meeting had ended, just took it upon himself, like logged in on the HQ Words Twitter account on his phone to just tweet out this tweet that there was going to be a subscription model and that it was coming soon. Almost everyone else at the company had learned of the subscription plan from that tweet. But from what Tyler could tell, Russ didn't seem to think it was a big deal. He basically was like, responded back to me. Like, all he said was like, yeah, that was me just testing some things out. And I was just like, oh, okay. Well, like, in the future, like, maybe you could give me a heads up. So, like, I don't think that like somebody hacked the account or like somebody went rogue. And he was like, okay, totally cool. And I was just like, okay, all right. And like, that kind of was it. (laughs) Astonishingly, this would not be the most surprising thing that happened to Tyler in his short stint at HQ. In early July of 2019, a little less than two months after he'd started there, he got a very opaque email. I think it was a Sunday. Just like this email rolls in that was very weirdly worded. And I wish I had a screenshot of it because it it was just really something else. But it was essentially like a select few of y'all have been invited to meet with like the exec committee tomorrow at this location. Here's the address. Be there at... I think it was 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. So for me, that was 6.30 a.m., which is really fucking early on a Monday morning, if you ask me. I looked up the address and found that it was like a breather room, like one of those 
It's like an Airbnb for conference rooms, basically, right? Um, and I was like, mm, this is kind of weird. I think I know what's happening. This is how that meeting went on Monday morning, according to a handful of employees with knowledge of it. Because Tyler was working remotely from San Francisco, he logged on via video chat. The laptop on which Tyler and a few others were video conferencing in on was balanced on a trash can. Tim Donnelly and the HR director, among others, were physically present, along with the entire executive committee. Russ announced that the seven employees' positions had been eliminated, that it had nothing to do with their performance, and that they would be offered severance. It was a group layoff, which was very interesting and unique. So I feel like there's a first time for everything. So I'm glad to have checked that off my bucket list. The executive committee left the room quickly. Naturally, someone asked the human resources director a question. In that moment, the uh, head of HR lifted up her like notice letter and was like, I was laid off too. Those seven employees made up about a fifth of HQ's staff. According to the app tracking company Sensor Tower, downloads of the game were down by 92% compared to the previous June. And Alan Kroll, Colin's dad, said the CEO search was stalling. Jeremy claims there, we had two guys he liked, neither of them would take the job. Russ said there were many people he liked and Ely liked that they interviewed, but Jeremy wouldn't consider them. So I'm not sure what we got caught up there at the end. Reached for comment, Jeremy Liu said, I am not aware of any candidates that the rest of the search committee was ready to hire that I would not consider. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Water Cooler Trivia is a weekly trivia contest for work teams. It's super customizable, low stakes weekly fun, and contests and results are even sent over email or Slack. Remote work can be isolating, so it's especially important now for teams to look for new ways to connect. And a weekly trivia contest always sparks conversation. You choose the categories and difficulty for your team and can even choose the timing, like a Monday morning contest with results sent on Tuesday. You can even choose a personalized category that Water Cooler Trivia will write for just you each week. It's crazy easy to get started. It takes just under 20 seconds and then you receive a join link to share with coworkers and then the weekly quizzes start. Tons of companies are digging Water Cooler Trivia from teams at Lyft, Nike, Bain & Company, all the way up to a group of high school teachers in Arkansas. A more connected work team and weekly trivia fun? That's a win-win scenario. Head to watercoolertrivia.com slash boom and you'll get four weeks completely free. No credit card required. That's watercoolertrivia.com slash boom for four free weeks. And now back to the show. Now the staff was left to shoulder the responsibilities of their laid off colleagues too. And yet, the 30 or so remaining employees still maintained a mixture of resignation and hope. They were all on high alert for any sign that the company would shut down. But because HQ's dissent was so jolting, others had a hard time confronting that reality. Whatever feelings each individual employee was processing, there was no denying that all the typical perks of working at a startup had now taken on an absurd quality. Almost immediately after the layoffs, HQ hired a recruiter named Barbara Lee, who eventually became the company's head of people operations. She introduced herself to the staff a day or two after those layoffs with a game of two truths and a lie, and soon replaced all of the free soda and snacks in the office with seltzer and healthier paleo options. She organized events like evening boat cruises as a way to boost morale. 
At these gatherings, she'd take photos, then upload them on the HQ LinkedIn page, where a handful of unfilled open positions were stacking up. Barbara did not respond to my request for an interview. In late August, to celebrate the two-year anniversary of HQ Trivia's launch, Barbara organized a live butterfly release. For those of you who are not familiar with the logistics of a live butterfly release, let me give you a rundown according to what employees told me. Barbara overnighted a bunch of live butterflies from Florida to their office. They were kept in the company fridge to maintain a temperature-induced stasis. On HQ Trivia's second birthday, each employee was given an individual envelope containing an individual live butterfly, and they all walked to a nearby sculpture garden on Elizabeth Street. Rusty Weiner remembers that moment. I released a butterfly. I was worried I was going to open an envelope to a dead butterfly, but sure enough, it spread its wings and flew out into Mother Nature. Felt a little ridiculous. <laughs> I felt like maybe we should just be in the office working. <laughs> it didn't seem necessary to take a break from work during the day to release butterflies, but whatever. Not long after that, Rusty finally left the company. It started feeling like the ship was going down. And uh, I didn't want to still be on the ship when it went all the way down. And still, the remaining HQ staff soldiered on. The executive committee oversaw more changes to the main trivia game, which at one point included a who-wants-to-be-a-millionaire type option where players could cash out early and walk away with smaller prizes. Meanwhile, Matt Richards, who had replaced Scott as the main host of HQ Trivia, began experimenting with a spontaneous nighttime show called HQ After Dark. I was like, we got to do like a dirty version of this. That would be cool. And uh, then we bounced around, tried to figure out how it could work. And I think a couple months later, I remember we did, um, Russ was like, all right, let's do it. Let's really do it. And I was like, all right, cool, cool, cool. So after a game one night, he was just like, let's just surprise everybody. You, you want to go up later? And I was like, I got a show to do, but as soon as the show is over, I'll be back here. And then me, Russ, uh, an engineer, came back. We met up at 1 a.m. and we went live with the first After Dark. Usually, he'd host it with the HQ Words host, Anna Roisman. They'd come to the studio around midnight, dress down, drink booze out of HQ-branded mugs, and host a round of casual trivia. There was a lot of swearing and borderline inappropriate humor. Diehard fans loved it, and given the circumstances of the company, it felt like the most honest piece of entertainment that HQ had put out in a while, even if it was only for a niche audience. But... Based on the reception of a few games they launched in late 2019, it seemed like a niche audience was all HQ really had. In October, the company released HQ Tunes, a music-focused trivia spinoff that used song clips as question prompts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to HQ Tunes! I'm your host, Melody Alana, and I'm so excited to be in your phones. New game, who this? New host, who this? So many new and fun, exciting things coming your way. It didn't get any real pickup. Then, in December, they premiered an image-based game called HQX. Hello, everyone. It's Thursday night. Welcome to HQX, a new game show here on HQ. And it's like nothing else you've played before. I'm your host, Matt Friend. I'm the newest and youngest host in HQ history. And I'm the first Gen Zer to host the show. So I've got way too much energy. HQX served up photo assignment prompts like ugly Christmas sweater and then gave players 35 seconds to take a photo and upload it on the app. 
Then participants would vote on their favorites, and the player with the most votes was crowned the winner. There was no cash prize. When the game premiered, Russ was quoted in a CNN article saying that HQX would appeal to the social media generation. He also said that a subscription-based service was imminent and that HQ planned to launch 20 more shows in 2020. HQX turned out to be a flop. The premise was convoluted, there were no stakes, and no one had time to actually take a good photo. The submissions were just a bunch of grainy pics of pets and babies. And honestly, given the nature of the internet, I'm surprised that was the worst of it. I played the game for a while, and I'm not sure the audience ever went over 40,000 concurrent viewers. About a month later, it was completely discontinued. So 2020 rolls around, and by this point, I'm getting a lot of conflicting reports about what's happening at HQ. Because the company's leadership was never truly transparent about its financial situation, a lot of the remaining staffers were just making their own bespoke calculations and predictions. A couple of times, I had former staffers reach out to say, HQ is definitely shutting down tomorrow or next week. And then it just wouldn't. By this point, I've been following the company for this podcast since the spring of 2019 and was waiting for something to happen, whether that was the announcement of a new CEO, a new backer, or something else. Then, in February, I got this news out of the blue. News that I needed to discuss with my editor, Amanda Dobbins, in the studio. So, Alyssa, 5.34 p.m. Eastern Time, on Friday, February 14th, otherwise known as Valentine's Day, Carrie Flynn at CNN Business publishes the report that you and I have basically been waiting for for six months, nine months at this point. Game over for HQ Trivia. HQ is done. Where were you when this report was published? Okay, you're going to be angry at me. <laughs> I was napping. <laughs> uh, I really, so I knew you weren't at your computer because it was, we had been waiting for this for so long. And it, yes. it happened. It was Friday afternoon. No judgment. This is a safe space. I thought you were hiking. Because, <laughs> Why? Why did you think I was hiking? Well, because it was the afternoon and it was beautiful here in LA. <laughs> and you weren't immediately like, here is my 18-point action plan. Sure. It took you like seven minutes, which, by the way, is a perfectly respectable response okay. time. But I knew that you weren't somewhere. I just thought you were hiking. Well, yeah, that would have been nice too. I was napping. I, w- I had to wake up really early that day to it's for fine. a radio hit. No so. judgment. <laughs> yeah, but as soon as I woke up, I had about 28 messages on my phone all saying it happened. I spent the rest of that day speaking with employees about what went down. Here's what we knew at the time. Pretty much every person who worked at HQ up until Friday went to work on Friday thinking it was a pretty normal day. Mm -hmm. Because it was Valentine's Day, there were cupcakes and cookies in the office. Fridays are pretty busy for HQ because they have to take care of a lot of the questions that are going to be happening over the weekend. And so people were pretty busy. And around 4.45, everyone gets a message from Russ that said, we're having an emergency all hands. Not what you want. No, I mean... (laughs) You do not want a 4.45 p.m. on a Friday emergency all hands. In terms of workplace meetings, that's maybe code red, (laughs) right? So they all gather, and Russ starts out by saying, happy Valentine's Day. I love you all. And that actually was a moment that multiple people told me that that's when they knew the company was over because he's never said that in a meeting. That's so dark. Yeah, 
So, and then he proceeds to explain what was later reported in that CNN article, which is that HQ had a potential buyer. They had been in talks to make it happen. And then at the last minute, this buyer pulled out. And that's why he had to give this sudden announcement with no warning. And people were really shocked. I think there was just kind of a wave of silence that sort of overtook the room. And some people asked, are we going to get severance? The answer was no. Someone else asked uh, whether or not they would be able to keep their laptops. The answer was no. And then someone else asked, like, what about the people who've earned money in HQ games? Like, are they going to be able to cash out? Are they going to get their rewards? And I think the answer was no. So a lot of information to process. And then everyone sort of just scattered and immediately kind of like gathered around the fridge and started raiding it for beer and FaceTiming their coworkers who hadn't been working in the office that day. I'm told that they busted out the hard liquor and just started drinking it straight. Matt Richards, who wasn't in the office for the All Hands, remembers being in the Diamond District when Russ broke the news to him. I was picking up some gifts for my girlfriend, and uh, I got a call from Russ. He was like, bro, I just found out effective immediately we have to shut down. He didn't sound like himself at all. Like, you could tell that that shit hurt him. He's like, I just had to tell everybody that we're done. And I was like, what? What? What the fuck? I needed to, I was like, let me call you back, bro. I gotta, I gotta process this. I'm looking at the gifts like, oh shit, I gotta take this back. I gotta take all these gifts back. I don't know too much about the situation as far as like what was said by the board or whatever. I just know when he called me, he sounded distraught. Not distraught, that's the wrong way. He sounded, he sounded sad. I think his exact words were, I'm sorry I'm not a better boss. Shortly after the all hands at 6.51, a push notification from the HQF was sent out to users' phones. It said, HQ is live. Just kidding. We're off air indefinitely. HQDs, it's been a blast. Thanks for playing. Not only did it upset those employees who just lost their jobs, but longtime fans felt it was insensitive too. They were all disappointed that there would be no last game. But then, much later that evening, another push notification went out. And it was for one last game of HQ After Dark. It turns out this was an extremely impromptu final show. Matt Richards and Anna Roisman had been scheduled to host a special valentines theme episode of After Dark that night. Once Russ unexpectedly shut down the company, they figured that went out the window. But then later that evening, Anna got a message from Russ. He sent a text to me and Matt, probably like, I don't know, around 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock. And was like, I think we should go live. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, are we even allowed to? Like, I didn't know if it would work. I was like, how does that work? Like, are the servers, will they turn on? Like, and Matt was just like, fuck yeah, let's go live. Like, Matt was like so down. So we were going to do it. But then it was still like, I don't know. Matt was like, oh, but like, I have a two-hour wait for my dinner reservation. And like, and then we were going to do it. And I thought, okay, we're going to go live. I'll have five minutes. This is my goodbye. What came next was far longer than five minutes, and I would argue a far richer text than your average startup farewell. Here's what the game sounded like. Although we've come to the end of the road, still I can't let go. 
it's unnatural. Hey! Hey, H cuties. Look, Anna's trying to stand up a broom. I know. I'm not gonna lie. This fucking sucks. This is the last HQ ever. And this $5 prize is coming out of my own pocket. We ran out of money. We just kept giving it away. Fuck. <laughs> we gave it all to the players. To you. You loyal H cuties. They complained a little bit about the app's investors. They complained a little bit about Barb's healthy office snack choices. And all the while, in frame, you could see a giant champagne bottle. As you might recall, we came into the office one day and Russ had bought a bottle of champagne when we hit like 2.4 million. This giant, giant bottle of champagne. They had a big champagne bottle. In like a wooden crate. This is, we cracked this at 3 million. They were going to open it when they hit 3 million players. He had written on it, breaking case of 3 million. That was the goal. We're just going to keep growing. When we hit 3 million views, we're going to pop this open. They never got there. And over time, as HQ began losing players, the champagne became a symbol of everything the company could have been but never was. Its presence in the office haunted people. And it also became somewhat mythic among former employees. Over the course of my reporting, a few different sources claimed to have been the person who had popped the storied champagne bottle or swiped it the day they left the company. Apparently, there was no shortage of champagne at the startup. But during that final game of HQ Trivia, Matt seemed to think he had the original. What's we- this bottle about, you ask? Well, we purchased this huge bottle of champagne for the event that we hit 3,000 players. 3,000? No, sorry. Three, I've been drinking since I found out the news. We got this in case we hit 3 million players. Should we open um, it? it all, it's already shaken up. I got it off a shelf and the entire bottle fell on my head. At one point, Matt starts speaking to Russ, who was producing the final show, outside of frame. You said, don't open it, Russ? They make it through some trivia questions. Question one! Yeah, those fucking questions, where, where's... Still clocked in, I guess. In 2010, Taco Bell launched a national petition for the return of what? Mixed tapes, rotary phones, or $2 bills? I still got it. $2 bills! That's the fucking answer. That's the answer. And then they finally open it. I keep shaking this. Yeah, shake it and then spray it on those goddamn computers. I'm going to spray it on the fucking investors. Matt wanted his lighter to fucking light a joint. Uh, what did you want to light before? <laughs> oh, shit. That's oh, about no. to blow. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm afraid. Why are you afraid? Because I don't want to get splashed. <coughs> oh, Matt! Ah! <laughs> My coat! My iPad! <laughs> Your iPhone. My phone, it, I, it wasn't as big as I thought it was going to be. That's what she said. We should have unionized a long time ago. The champagne bottle exploded. It was very uh, anticlimactic, much like this episode. <laughs> much like this app. <laughs> we didn't actually see them pop it, but it sounded kind of feeble. Which, as Anna alluded to in that tape, it's hard to imagine a more apt metaphor for the end of HQ. So here's what I don't understand. It's Valentine's night. They've just shut the company down. A lot of people have lost their jobs. Two hosts are seemingly drunk on HQ Live, drinking this bottle of champagne, complaining about snacks. Why aren't people mad? 
Oh, people got mad. Okay. Tell me about it. So Ellen Burke, who usually runs the show, she's usually a producer who is behind the scenes, and you'll see her hand every once in a while in the actual game. She tweeted, 25-plus people just lost their jobs, but sure, go live one more time for fun. And then someone replied, so we get to see your hand one last time? And she wrote, I'm not going to be there, and I'm not going to watch. Two peace sign emojis. Okay. And then the next morning, like, all hell broke loose when Scott— went on Twitter. Scott had spent a good chunk of his time at HQ arguing with management about how to run it, so it makes sense that he would get riled up by the company's demise. Here's what he wrote in his own voice. HQ didn't die of natural causes. It was poisoned with a lethal cocktail of incompetence, arrogance, short-sightedness, and sociopathic delusion. Saddened to see it finally succumb, sadder still for the good and talented staff abruptly left in the lurch after being gaslit and lied to. A few days later, I booked a flight to New York to try to speak to as many former HQ employees as possible. And specifically, to try and pin down Scott. I arrived on a Thursday, only to realize my sources had gone quiet. And then, things got really interesting. Next week on Boom Bust, HQ Trivia. Let me just put it this way. In your reporting experience, is this something that happens to you a lot? <laughs> no. No, it's not. <laughs> this is pretty wild. I don't think any of us have ever experienced anything like this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's no way I could have expected this to happen. Boom Bust HQ Trivia was written and reported by me, Alyssa Bereznak, and produced by Noah Malale, Isaac Lee, and Amanda Dobbins. It was story edited by Amanda Dobbins and sound designed by Isaac Lee. 